Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jock Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe in the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome to episode 31, friends, of Jacques Talk. I hope you are prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour or so as me and Big Joe and the Big Rig dig on a whole bunch of topics about the Cowboys and a few other tidbits that I think you guys will enjoy. What up, dog? What's up? What's up? Hey man, it's all good. I'm uh I'm sitting up here in the conference room atop my apartment, and I gotta tell you, dog, this mood, this this why I live downtown, man. This view of the Dallas skyline just puts me in a good mood every single time I look at it. This big old, it's a cloud up here that look like a starship, man. It's because it's, I mean, it really does because it's big and thick and it's kind of shaped like a starship. So uh, as long as no aliens pop out of it, it's all good. But, uh, nah, man, it's a beautiful day. It's a great day for the top to be down in November. That's one of the beauties of living in Dallas. As y'all can tell, I'm in a great mood today. <laughs> and if something puts you in a bad mood because maybe you were minding your own business and somebody ran into you, maybe a truck ran you off the road, maybe something fell on your head at some department store you were on, if you at somewhere outside your house, You've been injured in an accident because of somebody else's negligence. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to dial 972-934-8900. Now, if you've been listening, then you've already plugged it into your phone, so you don't have to look up the number of Greening Law. And you get on there, consultation is free, and you just tell the people, hey, here's my situation, here's what happened to me. And I'm being real with you when I tell you, if they bring you on as a client, I'm telling you, it's been your lucky day. It's been a great day for you. Because they're going to walk you through this process. And anytime you're involved in a lawsuit, anytime you're involved in fighting somebody else's insurance company, it's a long, tedious, drawn-out, complicated, scary process. Even if you've done it before. Why? Because you ain't no attorney. So, Greening Law, they walk you through the process, man. They hold your hand. They tell you when to turn left. They tell you when to turn left. Right. They tell you when to hold tight. I like this about it, man. They give you the answer to questions, check this out now, that you didn't even know was supposed to be asked. I mean, what more can you do for that? So if you're involved in an accident, it's not your fault, give Greening Law a call. 972-934-8900 is the number. And I'm telling you, they don't get paid unless you get paid. Did you hear that? They don't get paid unless you get paid. So you don't have to worry about where you are on the priority list, how hard are they working for you, how they grinding for you. The answer is always yes. And as I like to tell y'all, you ain't got to take my word for it. You can go to greeninglaw.com. You can check out their website. You can see the good work that Robert Greening is doing in the Dallas community, and that's for real. And you can see what other people say about them. You can see their successes. You can see the wars that they've won. Too many for me to name. So if you've been involved in an accident, it's not your fault. Give them a call. You know, this is my favorite part of the week, or one of them. And it's because... I love the technical aspect of football. I was talking to CeeDee Lamb last week. Yeah, I'm name dropping. And uh, we were going over routes after we, (laughs) 
this is real talk, man. This is real talk. After we had a discussion about why female hyenas have penises, that's a real conversation. I would not lie to y'all. We talked about that because he's a National Geographic guy like me. After that, we started talking about routes and combinations and all this technical football stuff. And at the end, I said, dude, you know, I love these real football conversations. I go because that's when you can really learn and that's when you can really uh, spread some knowledge out to, to other people when you're talking on your various platforms. And so we just had to talk about that. But what I love is when we start talking about the four plays that shape the game. Because there's always some plays and some things going on that, you, that a lot of times you forget about through the final score. When the Cowboys rolled the Giants 42-17, you're like, yeah, this is a blowout, big deal. <laughs> How serious could it have been? And then you go back and you go, well, you know, they was probably going to win, but if this play had gone this way and that play had gone that way, well, who knows what would have happened. So there were 132 plays in the Cowboys' 49-17 win over the Giants. Here are four that made the difference. Now, I have never done this as long as I've been doing this, this deal. And I told y'all, I've done this four plays in various formats. I used to write about it at the morning news and at ESPN.com. Uh, I did something like this on the radio, on ESPN Radio, when I had my show with uh, Matt McLaren. And uh, now we bring it to the podcast. But I had a great conversation uh, that I told you about the other day with Brandon Cooks. Everybody else was talking to Dak, and me and Brandon Cooks was breaking it down. And we had the same kind of conversation, real technical football stuff. And uh, we were going about the different things. And uh, he kept saying, and he said this to me, and he said this to everybody who's ever asked him, that I trust the process. As a young man, I used to get frustrated, might complain a little bit, ask about my role. He said, as a veteran, as a mature man now, I just trust the process. I just work harder. I try to work smarter. I ask Dak what he wants, what he needs. Uh, but I just try to stay in my lane, work the routes, trust the offense, and trust that at some point the ball is going to find me. Now, after last week, though, Dak threw for 374 yards. Brandon Cooks had one catch, two targets, seven yards. In the press conference afterward, I mean on Monday, a few people asked about Brandon Cooks. And Mike McCarthy got a little huffy-puffy. Why y'all asking about Brandon Cooks? Dak threw for 374 yards. I don't play fantasy football. What he's saying is, we had a great day. Y'all get off my ass about this. I'm reading between the lines, but that's what he's really saying. So, dog, the Cowboys um, get the, the, the Cowboys get the ball because the Giants won the toss. They deferred. And for the first time ever during the key plays, the first play of the game is one of those plays. Here's what happened. First down on the slant. Catch and Cooks, and now the ball comes out. Giants are saying they have it, but no, the official ruling is that it looks like Cooks was down. Oh, Brandon Cooks got a target. Oh, you don't play fantasy football. Why Brandon Cooks get a target? You had all week put a game plan together. Why Brandon Cooks get a target? You know why? Because you need to get his ass involved in the offense. That's why. For this offense to reach its potential. You need CeeDee Lamb getting off. You need Tony Pollard making big plays. You need Brandon Cook stretching the defense, making plays. Now it was a slant. It was four yards. It wasn't even a first down. That don't matter. What matters is you sent a message real quick to Michael Gallup 
And you send a message to everybody else that you're trying to get Brandon Cooks the ball. I think I said Michael Gallup because I was typing his name in. Uh, but that's what you did. Why? Because in week four, when you were playing the Chargers, the previous week, everybody was like, hey, what's up with Gallup? Five years, 62 million, he ain't really doing nothing. You going to get Gallup the ball? I mean, he's back from his knee injury. He says it feels good. You going to get Gallup the ball? What happened? You started the game off with a pass to Gallup. Gallup ended up with 10 targets. Now, he only caught three of them, and you were like, you know what? We tried. We failed. He ain't that dude. Uh, let's keep it moving for the most part. So this is what can happen, all right, uh, when you want to get somebody ball. Now, that drive ended up great. They didn't score, but it was a good drive. They had a couple big plays, one to CeeDee Lamb, one to uh, Rico Dowdle. But uh, the tone was set on the first play when they got it to uh, Brandon Cooks and let us know that, yo, Brandon Cooks is going to be involved in the offense today. Well, kudos, uh, kudos to Brandon and Coach because Brandon realized, hey, I done played on for two Super Bowl coaches and I was in exile but nobody saw me in Houston, and I don't want to go back to that. So kudos to him for being a mature guy going, hell no, I'm in a good place. I'm going to stick with the system. I ain't, I ain't mad at him. I ain't mad no, at him or coach. And let me tell you how this works, Doug. Um, and I, I, me, for whatever reason, and this happens, I tell this people all the time. People ask, like, you know, how do you build relationships with players? Because I'm good at it. But in general, they ask, how do you do it? And I say, you want me to tell you how you build relationships with players? It's just this simple. Say you at a party, okay? When you walk in a party, you don't know anybody. You go over to somebody, and for whatever reason, you have an instant vibe with that person, and you just start talking to them. Or you might walk into a party, and you meet somebody, and you go, oh, it's okay, but, you know, y'all small talk for a minute, then you move on. Excuse me, I'll go get a drink. And then you move on, and you look for another group. Until you, because you're looking for somebody to vibe with, or you go, you meet somebody, and you go, man, you you step in there real quick, you go, I don't like this vibe at all. Let me leave and go find another group at this party. But as much players like the same thing. So what I'm telling you is, the first time I met Brandon Cooks, we had a great conversation, even though it was like a couple minutes long, and the vibe was good. So what happened? I just kept going over there every time I was in the locker room, and now he's like, "What's up, dog? What's happening?" And so we have a good vibe, and so we can talk about things now. Because uh, he knows that whatever he says, unless I tell him that I'm reporting it on my podcast or something, it's just between us. And so that's the vibe. And so he's that kind of guy. Uh, and my point of all of that is he's been adamant from the start that CD is number one. He deserved to be number one. I've been number one before, so I know what it feels like. I know how your other guys need to get in and fit in, and I'm not going to be a problem. And y'all know how the media is. I'm part of the media, but I'm an individual. I don't ever lump myself with the entire media. But y'all know how the media is. People have tried for the last six, seven weeks, man, to get him to say something controversial. And every time he said the same thing, hey, I'm just going to work harder and trust the process. I believe in my abilities, blase, blase, blase. So um, yeah. it's still, it's, uh, it's after the Cowboys take that drive, which I told you, and they get down there, man, but they get stopped on fourth and two from the Giants, too. They turn hold the ball on, hold over. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The media stuff is kind of fascinating. I'm, I'm going to interrupt you just for a second because y'all helping each other. See, he veteran enough to know that he's talking to another veteran. So when you say, when, he, when you keep saying, he said, I'm not going to be a problem, 
that's him putting it out in the media that I'm not going to be a problem. And it just kind of circled back. It helped you and it helped him too. I'm just understanding. You know what I'm saying? I'm, no, no, I'm no, saying no, that, that that's, that's, that's pretty fascinating because sometimes it's such a teardown thing. Like if he was a young player and he just started flapping his gums, then okay, now it's a detriment. But he putting out the message through you to say, hey, I'm not going to be a problem. You know, I'm not going to no. be a problem. And then you put that out and it helps him. It's just being, it's just being older and smarter because young Brandon Cooks, Talked to a lot of Jack, and that's why he's been well-traveled, even though he is a pretty good player. No, and, uh, you know, the smartest players understand how to use the media, and they understand what the media is all about. And we'll talk about it, because this is a good conversation, but we'll talk about it at another time, yeah. because Michael Parsons could use some media training right now. And here's what I mean. He really don't understand the media. He think he does, but I can tell from his comments that he really doesn't. And so he needs somebody to explain to him, you know, here's how the media works. Here's what these people are doing. Here's what the, and this is what their goal is. Here's what these people are doing. This is what their goal is. Um, because the media is, uh, can be a very interesting, not can be, it is a very interesting thing. And you really have to know how to use it and how to handle it, or it can, it can build you up or it can tear you down. And I've seen it do it both ways, and I've seen it do it to a multitude of players. And, uh, well, now you done got me down this damn uh, hole. Well, yeah, so a couple we'll, of weeks we'll, ago, a couple of weeks ago, I was saying he need to stop talking. Now I kind of understand what you're saying. You were saying yeah. you don't want him to stop talking because that'll put us out of a job. But what you're saying now is, I was trying to say stop talking, but what you're saying now is, hey, he need to be media trained. We don't want him to stop talking, but he need to – Learn how to use it right. Uh, That's what you're saying. Well, you know, man, we're going too far down the rabbit hole. Let's yeah. come back to this. All right. Because, yeah. No, because it's, it's a really good conversation because I don't care if you talk or don't talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, stories get written whether you, whether you participate or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you just don't get a chance to put your spin on it. You don't get a chance to add your narrative if you don't talk. That's why you should talk. You should, right. You right. should be a part of controlling your narrative. Yeah. Uh, now, if you're not then shut up because I don't want to hear about your bitching and your moaning because yeah. you didn't participate in the narrative being formed. Yeah. Um, so that, that's how that goes. But uh, the media is a good conversation. It is. And uh, we can actually, uh, we can table it for later today. Roger that. Uh, uh, so as the Cowboys get stopped at the goal line, there's an exchange of punts. And somehow, man, we five minutes left in the first quarter just about – and the score is still 0-0. Now, the Cowboys appear to me to be controlling the game. But once again, they just went three and out with good field position. And they got the Giants pinned inside the 10. And on uh, third down from the Giants four, here's what happened. In his absence, third and 12. DeVito in trouble, running for his life just to get out of there, and he does. Sam Williams comes in to get the sack, but the Giants will have to punt. Now, that's a big play, man, and here's why. You're you controlling the game, but you still ain't winning the game. And uh, Sam Williams gets that sack, so you're going to get good field position again. It's your third possession, and by now you're like, okay, can y'all put some points on the board? You didn't have good field. You had a great drive. This is your second time in good field position. Can you make something happen? And uh, Sam Williams has been playing good, man. He hasn't been getting necessarily all the results, uh, 
But you can tell he's showing up. He showed up on special teams a couple weeks ago with a block punt. He's uh, getting pressures. He looks like a player. We know the deal, though, right? If he can just stay all the trouble, out of trouble off the field, yep. he'll be all right. But yeah, I'm telling you. We got to have a couple of knuckleheads on the Cowboys. It's just par for the course is what it is. You know. Well, let's go That's deeper. Yeah. Um, more than one person has said this to me in the Cowboys organization over the years. You're not going to win a championship with nothing but choir boys. You need some of them guys who work for the who, – who have uh, roles with the Hells Angels on your team <laughs> to win. You need some Hellraisers. You need some dogs. You need some dudes that ain't nice uh, to really get a championship. Now, you don't need a team full like that, yeah. but you got to have a few. And uh, Sam Williams is a good player, man. He makes plays. He just don't play a lot yet. His time is coming, though. Uh, and I can tell. And he's a cat. He's, a, he's actually pretty interesting to talk to. Uh, I'm going to have a conversation with him and see if he feels like his time is coming. Because it looks to me like his time is coming because his, his ratio between play, between snaps and making plays is increasing to me. And uh, that sack that he had right there on third down, big play, guess what it did? Set the Cowboys up for a touchdown. Uh, so they go down on that drive and score to, uh, to make it 7 nothing, And finally – you know, like, okay, now the floodgates have kind of opened up. But it's still only 7 nothing after the first quarter, bro. And so uh, then Dak throws his interception. And once again, we're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, really? Like, we midway, we are driving to the second quarter, and it's still only 7 nothing. But uh, the defense came to play. They were dominant in the first half against the Giants. And uh, they forced a punt. So Cowboys take over. And now finally – it, the drive gets started where they can try to t- take control of the game. Uh, starts off from the Dallas four, all right? But who's up? Brandon Cooks gets a pass for nine yards. Tony Pollard for two. And on first and 10 at the 15, this happened. And I was like, ah, oh, I see what's going on. Meanwhile, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys roll again. Fires one. Cooks in stride. Oh, and he's tripped up. He was gone. That was a perfect strike to Prescott to Cooks. Holmes saved the touchdown, but not before 35 yards. And at that point, man, I'm like, yo. Actually, let me tell y'all something. I kind of screwed up. This, the Cowboys was up 21-0 here when they made this play. And this was a big play because they got greedy. It was first and 10 from Dallas 15. And normally you want a drive starter, and a drive starter is like, hey, let's see if we can make something happen. If not, we're good. We're going to take this into the half. We get the ball to start the second half anyway. I mean, we're in control of the game anyway. But Brandon Cook's got that big play, man. And on that play, Dak got hammered on that play. Matter of fact, Joe was concerned for his health, were you not? Oh, yeah. Dexter Lawrence is 350 pounds and mean as hell, and he landed on Dak. Uh, the Giants, the Giants had uh, single safety and man across the board, so Dak was going. He he was going to lay that thing up either way because they decided. You know, the safety creeped over to the other side. He saw Brandon Cooks out there, and he was almost gone if old boy don't hit his leg. <laughs> so it was it was it was it was like, you know, like I say, single safety is 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 something that you can't do against Brandon Cooks. 
You still no. got that juice, man. Now, that was the drive starter, man. And then uh, six plays later, uh, Dak runs for 10 yards for a touchdown. It's 28 nothing at the basically at halftime. This game's a wrap, and the only suspense is, well, we think the only suspense is going to be, when is Dak going to the bench uh, for the rest of the game? Uh, but Brandon Cooks, by that time, man, he had seven for 107 in the first half. Um, that eclipsed, you know, before then, his season high for yards, I think, was 49. His season high for catches had been four. And at halftime, he got seven for 107 and a touchdown. That's what he can do. It was his 24th 100-yard uh, game. Uh, so he's a guy who's, you know, he's had a bunch of 1,000-yard seasons with four different quarterbacks. He's a player. He can still play. Uh, if you look at all those uh, next-level, next-gen stats about separation and all this, his numbers are still very good. So it's really been a matter of the Cowboys making it a priority to get him the ball. They did it this week, and the results you see. And so we move into the third quarter, and, you know, as happens, the Giants, uh, to me, the Cowboys had a bit of a letdown. Uh, Giants go seven plays, 91 yards. It's 28-7. to seven. Now, I don't really think the Giants are coming back. But this is the NFL, man. We've seen teams come back before. And all I can think of is, well, it's 28-7 hand control. But what if they go three and up right here? What if the Giants then come down and score? All of a sudden, it's 28-14, and they got hope. And I done told y'all a million times that the hardest thing to deal with is a team that has hope, a team that believes. Because those teams, they play out of themselves. And every great comeback starts with a moment where you go, y'all think we can win this thing? So that's all I'm concerned about. Well, Cowboys made sure I had no concerns. So it's 28-7. And uh, they get the ball back. And it's third and five. From the Dallas 31. And I'm like, it's 28 to 7. We, fur, we, we more than halfway through the third quarter. Why do I still have this teeny tiny bit of concern? Well, here's what happened. Four man rush. Stunts picked up. Deep over the middle. And CD Lamb who makes another big catch into Giants territory. Down to the 40. CeeDee Lamb, 28 yards. First down, next play. Dak Prescott to Michael Gallup, 41 yards. Touchdown, 35-7. Game over. That's a wrap. Yeah, he, I dropped, just played a little... he dropped that thing in a basket, man. Oh, no, he was, he was in the zone, man. He, Everything Dak, he threw Dak, almost was Dak on dropped that. Dak dropped that baby in the basket. It went up and it dropped like a damn pitch. It's like, look what they say, they, it fall off the table. It yep. fell off. It went over the damn linebacker in front of the safety and right to C.D. Lamb. That was a hell of a throw. And uh, that's actually what Michael Gall- that's what Michael Gallup does when he's when he's doing good in this offense. That's what he does. That's what C.D. Lamb does. Yeah, but I'm talking about Michael Gallup on the touchdown. You talking about C.D. Lamb on the catch? Both of them are fantastic. Okay, you talking about that? That's not the yeah, That's not but, the play we was talking about. No, I went to the next one. It's not five plays, it's four plays. No, but I said on the next play after the lamb catch, Michael oh, Gallup went for I the got touchdown. You. I got you. All right. Get some coffee, man. It's all nah, good. I got a big old <laughs> glass of tea right here. I'm, I'm good. I'm paying attention, but I'm, we good. Nah, so, Go but if, we, if we're going to wrap it up with the big picture, 
your boy Dak was on fire. Everything he threw connected. Uh, it's a big play um, because it, it got him out of that hole and converted that third down. He had to bomb to Michael Gallup on the next play. It's 35-7. It's a wrap. It's game over. And uh, your Dallas Cowboys um, put a butt whipping on their fourth consecutive home opponent. Uh, now they go to Carolina next week. But uh, it was it was good play. It was a good it was a good game for Dallas. Uh, bounce back game after that disappointment in Philadelphia, and uh, they showed us once again, man, they are capable of destroying teams. And I haven't done the research yet, but I ain't forgot about it. Uh, I'm gonna look up and see if anybody has as many twenty point wins as your Dallas Cowboys over the last uh, two seasons. Because my suspicion is nobody does. But I, I need to go make sure because I'm curious about that. But uh, that's this week's version of uh, episode of Four Plays That Shaped the Game. And now let's uh, get in touch with my man, Tired Archer, brought to you each and every Wednesday by Smokey John's Barbecue. Hello. What up, dog? What's going on? Not much. You you good? You wide awake? Sure. Just listening to Jerry. I wouldn't know <laughs> you wide awake. I don't know. You got your voice sounded a little deeper than usual this morning. That's uh maybe you had a big cigar last night? No. No cigars for me. I'm not right. Clarence or Galvin. <laughs> Just check it. Hey, Dak Prescott, not ESPN says he's the best quarterback in the league. Put him in the MVP race. What do you think? Sure. Uh, and I don't mean to do this with faint praise here. Um, because tell me who the MVP is, right? There's no one that's kind of run away with this thing. So, yeah, the way he's played the last month, his numbers tell you he's the best quarterback in the league with how he's played in the last month. Now, let's see what happens, right? He, he's, he's got them in position. They should win this week against Carolina. Then you got the three games at home. They've been great at home. Then you go Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. Dak can win this thing if he continues to play this way and they continue to win. But part of it, the reason why all these people are in the MVP race is um, no one's running away with this. Like, you can come up with how many guys. So Mahomes will be in the list, I guess, before the Houston loss. Burrow would have been on the list. So he's probably like the MVP of the last month for sure, but he's definitely <laughs> going to be in the mix, uh, I, I think, because A, they're – He's playing great, and they got big games coming up that will allow him to add more context to it, to the MVP discussion. Uh, I hear you. Last four games, Dak Prescott, 72% completions, 1,354 yards, which is 338 a game, 12 TDs, two interceptions, 125 passer rating, and uh, 9.6 yards per attempt. Uh, the line of demarcation – is the San Francisco game. Now that we've had four, which is a good sample size, it's a quarter of a season, what's been the difference? Um, I don't mean – first, I don't know. This is what I think. I think Dak kind of said – you know, when McCarthy said, yeah, we really cut Dak loose like a couple weeks ago, I think Dak cut himself loose and said, F it, I'm going to make some plays with my feet, I'm going to buy time. I'm gonna, and then that, and then we're going to start rolling. Yep. And I, I think some of it is you got to give McCarthy some credit because I think he realized 
hey, I might want to run the damn ball to, to take some pressure off my defense, but that's not going well. Here's the strength of my team, throwing the ball with Dash, CD, Jake Ferguson, and Brandon Cooks finally involved. And I think they find, they just found their best way to attack. And it's through through Dak. Wow, I didn't mean to rhyme like that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you um, did, dog. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, to me, that's – I think what's changed is Dak has kind of just said, F it, let's go, put it on me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can. No, it's uh... – I mean, it's just uh, he's just he's just playing at a remarkable level right now, and um, I just want to see if it can continue. Uh, I have an idea. I, I, I think hear. this is the second best stretch he's actually had. To be honest with you, I think before, he was better in the first six games of the twenty twenty one season before he had the calf injury against the Patriots. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. And he was probably the MVP at that point of the season. And then after the calf, he, he really wasn't. The, the, the same guy still played well, especially down the stretch. He, he got healthier, but um, I, I think he was better then than he is now. But that may be because that's six games versus four games. We'll see what we're going to be saying here in a, after a couple of weeks. Yeah, man, he's uh, he's just uh, the way he's been playing, the way he's been using his feet. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, it seemed like they went for, they he threw the ball deeper and further downfield than he's been doing. Against uh, against the Giants, maybe it's because they're playing a lot of man, but it looked like he really attacked deep the other day more so than the other games. Is that the feel that you got? Um, I, I think his yards per attempt and his air yards and all has gone up exponentially exponentially here in the last month, in part because of he's using his legs and it's buying time. It's playing above that two point three that McCarthy talks about and being on the same page with guys. Uh, like the, okay, the Gallup touchdown was a called shot right but think of i'm thinking of uh cd's touchdown scramble play was that a couple weeks ago against the rams like yeah you know scramble play uh where he he, i I think that's where a lot of his air yard stuff is coming i think a lot of his pocket stuff is still um you know the the what we view of the west coast now the stuff the cooks that was that's the stuff we saw in training camp jock where like with the deep overs and things, you're like, why are they not calling this stuff? Like, where, where is it? Maybe some of it was the old line wasn't protecting and and all that. But I, I never thought Brandon Cooks lost it because we saw it in training camp and he could still run. Right. It just for some reason never materialized in the games, and it it was maddening. But that's the guy. CD's CD. So let's put him in a different category. But that guy has to continue to be a factor in this offense because of how teams are going to start, or at least you think they'll start defending CD. You have to have a viable second weapon, and, and that's what he is. And then if that opens up some other stuff for Ferguson, for your running backs, and this whole running game stuff, I think they're trying to throw him out of, uh, out of their defenses, and then maybe they can run the ball better. And I, I, I agree with you on several of those points. Let's let's stick with this one first. Uh, Brandon Cooks was a you know second best game of his career, 173 yards. Obviously, his biggest game with the Cowboys. What do you think got him at least? Because I don't think it was any coincidence that the first pass, first play of the game went to him. Right. Yeah. And that's the. It's funny. Like last week, hey, the last couple of weeks, when are you going to get Cooks involved? And you know they do it. Remember 
couple of weeks ago, he said, "When? It, how come Gallup's not involved and he has ten targets in a game?" Uh, you know, <laughs> but 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 I do think it's funny. It's like they're asked, he's asked last week about Rico Dowdle and getting him more involved. And I know the end of the game says he led the team in carries, but after his, I, I'd have to go back and look. He had two carries for twenty-four yards in the first drive. Maybe right. Right. I don't know if he touched the ball again until the second quarter. Like you know, so I, that one he was a little still. Hung up on like, yeah, you guys can. I'll grant you these wishes, but I'm not going to give you the the Rico Dowdle one. Um, but what was your question again? <laughs> what got Brandon Cooks unleashed? There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just the time, the time, and they had a good plan against the Giants defense that thought maybe they still had their full defense on hand. Um, and and played that way, like they had a, right. whatever Wink Martindale, the blitzes and all the things that he's known for doing. Right. They had plans for everything. Like they they knew they knew before the game. They thought before the game they were going to see certain man looks and coverages, and they got exactly that. And he won. And Dak, look, Dak wasn't sacked. Protection was as good as that. Tyron Steele had a good bounce back game. Tyron Smith has evidently found the secret to him is never practicing. Uh, and playing in the games only. Um, if they can right. do that, you know, obviously. But and, and I don't want to say it the way this is going to sound, but that's a bad Giants team. Like, and it's going to be no, a Panthers team where, okay, well, it doesn't matter. Now Washington, they traded their some of their guys, but Washington gives the Cowboys some some issues oh. over the years. Like, and, and this is the bad part of being around as long as we've been around. Like, you don't want to dismiss what you just saw because they crushed them and it was a great game and all this stuff. But in the grand picture, none of it freaking matters. Right? Not like, what, what matters is what they're going to do in December. Yeah. Well, not even that. I mean, it, it matters, but the referendum on Mike McCarthy in this season comes in the postseason. They don't come during the regular season. But you got to have these successes during the regular season. Right. For you to really do something in the postseason. And so, yeah, they kicked the Giants. They covered a 17-point spread. That's impressive at one level. Uh, but I didn't care about that. I cared about, like, oh, okay, maybe they figured out how to get Brandon Cooks involved. Maybe they figured out that, you know what, forget the plan that I had coming into the season. If Rico Dowdle has proved that he needs – to basically split time with Pollard so that we can get the best from Pollard, then who cares about Pollard and this or that? Let me just do the best thing to get both guys to get some production for both guys. Um, kind of like he did with with Dak. Okay, I, I started the season thinking one thing. I don't know if that's going to work. Let me switch it up and see if this is going to work. Because to me, it's all. What am I looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's all just an experiment. To put you in the best position to win in the postseason, yeah. as long as you win the games I, I, along the way. I'll push back on the hey, they they're going to be a split fifty fifty or fifty five forty five or sixty forty. Well, I bet you it's not going to be sixty forty. The final numbers tell you, oh, the Cowboys figured something out. Let's go to the first half of that game, Jock. How many carries did Tony Pollard have? The Cowboys ran the ball eighteen uh-huh. times in the first half. He had 11 carries. He had 11 of the 18 carries. Rico had four. So in the second half, when the game's over, 
that's when Rico got the ball. So I don't know if there's this switching of philosophies here yet. Maybe there's something that happened yeah. that game, and we'll, we'll see going forward. Um, but I, I think desperately the well, Cowboys want to show Tony Pollard is the guy that he's been the last couple of years still. I don't know why. I just want his production, and his production has not been the same. Um, so whatever you got to do to make him a game-breaker again, I'll do. Because I prefer game-breaking Tony Pollard, even if it's at fewer carries, than workhorse Tony Pollard, who's, you know, who's solid, but he ain't, he ain't a $10 million back to me. Right, and, and that's – so let's be honest. Like, okay, DeMarco Murray in 2014 had – 710 carries that year. Garrett wanted to keep him, tried his best, did it, literally begged him to stay and not go to Philadelphia. Cowboys never really put together an offer. They they, they thought, hey, just used them up, got them all. And I think with Tony, I hate to say this callously, but I think they're just like, yeah, we're going to give you 290 carries or whatever he's on pace for, I don't even know. But um, And then we're not going to sign you after this year. And it's just kind of maybe that's how they're looking at their running back spot. Now, see, I said that like week two, and people thought I was mean and crazy. Uh, and I don't think that's the case. That's, uh, well, no, no. they thought you're mean and crazy because you are mean and crazy. That had nothing to do with what you said after week two. <laughs> he got a point right there. <laughs> now, you know, you know, he ain't said nothing in 10 minutes, and you're going to chime in with that. You know, but it'd be, it'd be your own people, man. It'd like, be your own hey, people. I, I like Todd taking them shots. It's all good. Somebody, somebody, somebody got to do it. You got eighty-seven jobs last week. And you mean this week? Yeah, it's all good. Uh, defensively, uh, what did you see from uh, your Dallas Cowboys? A little bit like the offense. They did what they were supposed to do against the undrafted rookie quarterback making his first start. Uh, they contain. I know the final numbers probably will look a little. Oh my gosh, they allowed five yards of carry or whatever, but again, did it, did it, it didn't matter at the end. They did a good job on Saquon, who's now 0 and 10 against the Cowboys in his career. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they did what they were supposed to do and they're going to do what they're supposed to do this week against the Carolina offense that struggles. And then it's, oh, somehow Sam, you know, has more passing yards than Dak Prescott since week six. Sam Howell. Uh, Washington, Sam Howell. Now, is that because they're behind like, all the time? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is, to be honest. Although against Philadelphia, yeah, they weren't behind. They were leading. And, you know, what did he, he miss like four passes the whole game or something? But, um, you know, the, the, the biggest pass play they allowed against the Giants was a 26-yarder to a tight end. And I got to be honest, the life of me, I didn't see that play because it was probably in the second, or the, the third or fourth quarter when the game was over and you're just scrolling through Twitter. Um, at that point and not really paying attention to the game. 21-yard run by Saquon, 19-yard run by DeVito. I know those came in the second half. So they, they I thought it was good to come back. That is one thing Dan Quinn said. It's like you knew they are going to be up for the fight, and they brought the fight. That, that was a good thing to do, especially, you know, coming off the goal line, first series, coming off the six-yard uh, line in the second series that they were able to, to stone them and, and kind of help the offense find its footing before they finally took off. Uh, Maisie Smith, I was, that was a Maisie Smith sighting. I thought he, he – Yeah, he had two tackles. How about that? Yeah, there you go. 
that, I mean, actually finished with three according to the final stats. Hell uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess he was doing it for Harbaugh and them cheating ass Michigan team. Well, when he mentioned when he mentioned Saquon before Sam got the sack, Major Smith actually made a good play on on Saquon. Yeah, yep. And then uh, the same thing, Hankins on and D Law. I think on the first on the fourth Correct. down play, right where they were going down. So that was a good one. Good. Yeah, I, look, they're gonna they're gonna need something from Mozzie, and and it's. We might have talked about this earlier. I think he kind of pays for the sins of CeeDee Lamb, Micah Parsons, and uh, Tyler Smith. Like, where the Cowboys have had these first-round picks come in and just light it up and be great from the get-go, where you think, oh, okay, be great from the get-go. And then when all of a sudden when he doesn't do it, and you start to wonder, and everybody's like, no, here's Taco Troughton 2.0. Don't draft any more (laughs) Michigan guys. And da-da-da-da. So – you know, all of it's kind of ridiculous, but they need more from they need more of that from him. And let's see if he can do it continually. Now, I thought one thing Demarcus Lawrence told us. We talked to him last Friday. He's like, you know, he was a little stiff early on. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I asked him, can you please clarify? Are you talking about as an ability or a personality? And he said, personality wise, he's now starting to open up a little bit, be be more part of feeling. He's more part of things, and maybe he's just more comfortable with everything. And and we're seeing the beginning of something. Not what you want yet, obviously, out of a first-round pick, but at least it's something. Yeah, well, you know, I, I can see that, man. You know, everybody doesn't have the personality for the kind of change that takes place when you go from being a college player, uh, especially who is kind of a behind-the-scene college player, uh, right. to coming up with the Cowboys and media and just – just all the stuff that comes with being a, a professional athlete, let alone one with the Dallas Cowboys uh, where, you know, there's so much media and so much attention and everybody wants to know this and that. And so I could see how for some people your personality could just be like just an overwhelmed, like all the stuff going on and it take you a minute because you forget, you catch been watching these dudes on TV too. Some people come in starstruck and some people, you know, depending on your personality fit right in. And so I could see how that could happen if um, given his personality. Yeah, and and he's. I'll go back to what I said earlier that the Cowboys' first round picks under McCarthy have done so well that you just automatically think. And now there's a lot of different things that he has to do. They ask more. You know, Michigan is like, hey, just hold these dudes up and let our guys around you make plays. Well, the Cowboys want them. Yeah, do that, but also do some other stuff too, and, and get upfield and and be a little disruptive. Um, look, he's never going to be a pass-rushing defensive tackle, mind you. Don't get me wrong. But, I, you know, sometimes it takes time. And maybe for this dude, it took him 10 weeks of his rookie season to finally feel comfortable in what was go- what, what they're asking of him and, and the guys he's going against. Because you could I, – I said this in, in the preseason games when we saw him struggle. He was better against double teams than he was against single blocks. Like, so that tells you there's something there because, you know, you got to be a pretty strong dude to hold up two dudes. Um, right. And, and he did, you know, he, he was good there. So maybe, maybe now it's starting to be a, a, a sign where you're seeing, seeing some positive stuff from him, you know, and you're facing some teams that will like to run the ball. Seattle likes it. Philly, we know they'll run it with different ways. Buffalo should run it after all the turnovers and Miami speed rushing might not be a game for Mozzie necessarily, but a team that can run it and Detroit's a team that can run it. So 
you know, you're, you're in a situation where you need Mozzie to play well. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about Carolina before we let you go? Um, have they been the Not same much. since Roy Williams? I don't know if they've been the same since Roy Williams. Uh, oh, you're talking not the Tar Heels? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, like, who? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> My bad. Um, it's all good, though. Uh, remember when, T, uh, when Pac-Man said to, said to us before the, the Rams game in 2008? It's the Rams, dude. The Rams, dude. It's It's the <laughs> Panthers, dude. Like, I mean... Uh, what's the spread on this one? I haven't seen it yet. It's got to be double digits, right? Should. Uh, I mean, uh, even, no. even for a yeah, road game? That's got to be so, double digits. I'd say it's probably about – the way the Cowboys beat bad teams, I bet that thing is about 12 points. Yeah, the only thing that might change that is they're two and three on the road and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah. um, and it is grass, so maybe it's 10 points. I, I don't know if it's grass, grass, or like they put in the new surface. So it might uh, be like one of those – hybrid deals and not like not like field turf but like the true kind of uh hybrid deal so Man, Brian, uh, the Bryce, Dallas Cowboys are favored by 10 and a half right Bryce okay. Young Bryce Young looked 15 years old and it, you knew he was small I mean he played at Alabama he's playing next to NFL guys yep. anyway and they're on the line obviously but you see him now it's like man it, it, it's tiny but look you know, we've heard the comparison before. Dan Quinn yesterday is like, you know, he's got a little Steph Curry to him and how he feels things and the sense that he has of the spatial awareness and things like that. Um, you know, I, I want to see the kid play. And 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 I, I want to see the kid play. I want to see J.C. Horn playing if he'd play because that was going to be the guy the Cowboys probably would have taken if he was there before they moved down to get Micah. Um, at corner, he's right. coming back from a hamstring. They started his uh, practice clock this week, so maybe he won't be able to go. Um, but I, I mean, this is another one of those games where do what you're supposed to do. This isn't win it three to two. This is do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, this is Dak should be chilling with about 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter if you play the way you're supposed to play because they shouldn't be able to hang with you unless you help them with turnovers and silly plays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to ask and, you this. And then, and then you get a short week against Washington on Thanksgiving, and for some reason Washington always kind of gives the Cowboys troubles no matter where they are. We just talked about Sam Howell. We know you're going to love up on Terry McLaurin because he's a Buckeye. Um you know, so that that game will be harder, I think, than people think. No, I think. And they're that, playing the Giants this week, so for them, that's yeah. I'm not going to say it's a bye game for them, but you you would think they might have an easy time this week as well. Well, one reason Sam Howell is leading the league in passing is he's got one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six games with at least 290 yards passing. So he's a. I don't think they have much of a running game. They're pretty much a passing team. Uh, I haven't looked this up, and so I thought this kind of thing you might know. Um, oh do the <laughs> in the last three years, two twelve and fives in this year. Uh, do the Cowboys have more twenty point wins than anybody else? Coach, I think that has to, doesn't it? Like, yeah, I was going to look I it up because I was kind of intrigued by the number. Yeah, but. I can't believe anybody's blowing out people at the rate that they do, which is really kind of amazing in a league where all the games are decided by a touchdown or a field goal or whatever. 
Well, all right, here is the stat for you. They scored 160 points at home in four games. That's more than five teams that have that have scored all season. The Jets, the Patriots, uh, the who else is in that mix? The, the Giants, yeah, Giants, 118 points. That's so bad. And uh, Carolina, 153 points. Okay. That's uh, like four home games. They're averaging, obviously, 40 points a game. I tell you, they are, uh, they're, you know what, man? I'm going to say this. I get why fans, why they frustrate the hell out of fans. Because when they play their best football, I mean, they just obliterate people. Problem is, they don't play their best football all the time, and uh, they—I see why people call them front runners. Because when they get on top of you, I mean, they just pummel you. They don't give you any room to breathe. And uh, well, isn't some they're, they're they're the same as the Dolphins this year, right? You know what? Uh, yeah. Like yeah. the the Dolphins haven't—they haven't. I don't think they've beaten a team with a winning record this season. Yeah, and they've got. I don't smashed. think the Cowboys have. Let me look at it really quick. The Cowboys Amen. haven't either. Amen. The Cowboys uh, have not. Oh, you so, know what? That's you know, a very they, good. Point. And their two, their two tests uh, have been against San Francisco and Philadelphia, and they've lost them. Yeah. Now the Philadelphia game, and and okay, neither one of those losses is surprising, and that's why the Arizona loss remains so bad because that's going to be the game they chase, right? That's going yeah. to be the one that cost them the, the division. That's going to be the game that potentially could have, if the Philly falls apart, could cost them a home field advantage situation. Um, right. Because now you have to win. Basically, you have to hold serve at home. You have no margin for error there. And you have to win one of the Buffalo or Miami games that you would probably pencil in as a loss back when this thing was released in the spring. Right? So now you got to win yeah. one of those. And the way your but, bills are going, Jock, maybe they can. Well, I was going to say, uh, we talked about this the other day, or me and somebody did, uh, that the, the thing about the NFL is those games that look so ominous in December, they don't look so ominous now. Like Buffalo, they could have fired their coach and turned that thing over by the time you show up on uh, December 17th. Uh, I do believe I'll be at that game, though. Um, and, you know, Miami, um, if we just had this conversation, we got two terrific or two really good teams that don't play good against good teams. So who knows how that game is going to go? <laughs> right. Detroit, Detroit too. Uh, and then the yeah the Detroit, well, Detroit game. I, I mean that Detroit. I think Detroit is good though. Yep. Um, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think that'll be the tough game that we thought it was going to be. Because uh, I, I did something yeah. for them uh, for one of my clients the other day, SportsNot.com, and uh, one of uh, how many? Let's go eighty-seven. Hey, 87 <laughs> clients is good to have. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> I, I remember a time I had no clients. So I was like, hey, Joe, you got some gift cards to help me pay the rent around here? Roger that. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, their schedule coming up, I think they have uh, the Bears twice, the Packers, and the Saints. So they got a chance to win four or five in a row and, you know, really put some distance between uh, them and the Vikings who are kind of hot right now. But I love Josh Dobbs' story, but I don't think Josh Dobbs is your savior, and he'll come back to earth at some point. And uh, so I think the I think the Lions are like the sleeper team to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, bro. By the way, you know if the season ended today, and we we know it doesn't, you yes. know the Cowboys would play in the first round of the playoffs. San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So the, the, you better get to the five seed, yeah. and you better hope that. 
at the very least be the five seed. And look, they, they can, right? I mean, I want to say the fifth seed right now is, hold on, let me call this up. Um, Minnesota, no, it can't be Minnesota. Uh, Seattle. And they'll have a chance to move up because obviously they play Seattle. I knew it was a team they were playing. Uh, so they play Seattle. So you win that game, you got the tiebreaker on them. So, um, that, you, you better be the fifth seed because then you're playing the NFC South again and it's either New Orleans, Tampa, I guess it's, uh, I, to rule out, uh, heck, I guess Atlanta's still only a game back too. So. Yeah. Or, you know, play some great football and go win the division. Yeah, you need some help. You need for that a little one, bit of help. So, yeah, but you can take pair. Like uh, the Eagles got uh, who they got? They got Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco the next three weeks. Uh, I have Ooh, a hard time home. believing that. Yeah, uh, they'll drop one of those games, and then you need to beat them. I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys need to beat them. Yeah. That that'll put yep. you both at nine and three, heading into your tough into the Cowboys' tough stretch. And then, you know, we'll just see how it happens. But, you know, it's still a lot of football to be played. Nothing's been determined. And um, somebody always way, catches fire you know, at this time of the year. You ready for the Eagles' final three games of the season? Oh, dude, they're like me, you, and, uh, and Joe. Basically, yeah. Giants, Arizona, Giants. Yeah. So, so you know. So they're, yeah. they're, they are, they're 11 and 1 effectively right now, right? They're yeah, eight and one now. Give them those three wins. They're right, eleven. That's and one. eleven and one. Eleven and one, and so twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So I think they're going fourteen and three. Is that right? That means the Cowboys aren't. That means the Cowboys have no chance to get the division. Yeah. Right. They need. They need. If they Unless, go thirteen yeah. and four, what does Dallas have to do? They lose one more the rest of the way. It might be a tiebreaker deal in there because Seattle, so you get to the common opponents and all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, here's if the deal. To, I don't if they, Cowboys beat Seattle, Philly loses Seattle, because obviously there'd be a split in there, but other common opponents, they're playing the Niners, they'd have to lose. They're playing Arizona, they'd have to lose. You don't think that's going to happen. Uh, the good news, Cowboys beat the Jets. They lost to the Jets. So, yeah. You got well, fig- to figure at some point the Eagles going to rest. Jalen Hurts. I don't think so. I mean, yeah. not if not if the division is at stake. They're not. It's on. It's on. It's on the Cowboys to continue to put pressure on them so that they don't have an opportunity to rest people. Yeah, uh, and this is why yeah. Dak says you run your own race. Yeah, you just do what you do, man. If you yeah. win your games, you don't have to worry about what other folks are doing. Yep. Uh, and then you know, win the games you're supposed to win. Because as I always say, there's some games you can play, like the last one, where you can play pretty good and lose because you're playing a good team. So they got to win these uh, these games that they're supposed to win. Uh, as usual, my friend, it's been a fascinating conversation with you. Checks in the mail, you know me, long time. <laughs> you don't you don't have my address. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, why are you always into mm. details, man? Get off my line. Uh, <laughs> Arch is my good friend. Love him like a brother. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, bro. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. All right, man. That's Todd Archer brought to you each and every Wednesday by Smokey John's Barbecue. And I got to tell you, uh, man, 
I have a hard time believing Thanksgiving is like 10 days from now. I mean, it's incredible to me. But it's coming up soon. And if you don't want to cook, either because you can't or because you just don't want to spend all your time slaving over a hot stove, let Smokey John's Barbecue handle it for you. They got the small family pack that feeds four to six folks. That starts off with a smoked turkey or a bone-in ham and then some sides and some other delicious stuff. They got the large family pack for $189.95. That feeds 8 to 12 people. That's really getting your money's worth there. Smoked turkey, bone ham, a gallon of dressing, a quart of giblet gravy, a dozen rolls, a pint of cranberry sauce, two two-quart sides. That's mac and cheese or yams or greens or whatever, however you get down. And then, man, if you want to handle the sides, and I, I can get down with this because I do some sides, and you want them to handle the smoked turkey or the Cajun fried turkey or the baked turkey, or, dude, I am so intrigued by this. I'm, I'm almost ready to pull the trigger on a rib stuffed turkey. That just sounds delicious to me. Um, or you can get it sliced uh, for $25 per item. Um, they've also got a dressing stuffed turkey leg. They got a two-pack for $39.99, a four-pack for $69.99. They got a turkey leg meal. However you want to get down on Thanksgiving, however, let Smokey John's Barbecue do it for you, man. The food is outstanding. It's stupendous. It's fantastic. It's delicious. It is, in a word, to live for. No cap, as young folks say. It's, it's that good. Um, so, let Smokey John's take care of your Thanksgiving meal. Now, if you need some Smokey John's before then, go to the website, SmokeyJohns.com. Click on Marketplace. Order the rib, I mean the rub or the sauce. <laughs> It'll be at your house in a couple of days. Uh, you can do all this ordering online, uh, or you can give them a call, 214-352-2752, SmokeyJohns.com. Whether you call them, whether you drive by and place your order in person, whether you send it on email, online, have you get it done? Let's Monkey John's barbecue handle your Thanksgiving dinner. Damn, that rib stuffed turkey sound good. Uh, let me tell y'all something. Because it's my show, because it's our show, because I can do what I want to do, uh, we're going to switch things around. Uh, because, uh, you know, whenever we talk to Clarence or Archer, I mean, Clarence or Archer, we act like we got all day and we just be talking. We'd be like, forget the schedule, whatever. We're just going to talk. Uh, so I decided we had such a good conversation going earlier with Joe and the media that I would put, we would end the day talking about the media because uh, I got a lot of things to say about the media. I'll condense them for purposes of this discussion. But the media is really interesting. The media is fascinating to me. Um, and the way I've tried to really thrive and survive uh, being a member of the media is to always look at myself and promote myself as an individual. You're like, well, what are you talking about, Taylor? This is what I'm talking about. And I use this story as the basis for every conversation I have when I'm talking about the media. So, and I remember this as clear as if it happened yesterday or if it happened earlier this morning. Um, Eddie George, my Buckeye brother, played for the Cowboys under Bill Parcells. Sitting in the locker room one day, and I can't remember how the topic came up, but he was bitching and moaning about the media, probably because he had lost a step, he'd been benched, and he didn't like the direction of the questioning um, that was coming toward him about 
how good he was and what he had left. He, he looked good. Is, he looked good in uniform, though. Dude, Eddie George at that particular time. Now he's still in great shape, but at that particular time, built like a Greek god. Yep. I mean, that, I, you can't. I, I'm. I'd be hard pressed to find another dude that ripped up uh, as a football player uh, at that position. Like Chad Hennings was one of the most ripped up, yoked up defensive linemen I've ever seen. He was big. Now, you want me to tell you who's in that conversation, and I've never seen anybody else in that conversation? This dude is probably just as ripped as Chad Hennings. Do you know who I'm talking about? He plays for the Cowboys right now. No. Odigazua. That dude looked like a he he looked like action figure. Chad Hennings was six five though. Yeah, I don't know how tall the Dickie Zoo is, but he every bit of three hundred pounds. I'm wondering, but I'm, but I'm wondering how they fit Chad Hennings. I actually saw Chad Hennings at Valley Ranch, right? And I was like, how in the hell did they fit him in an A ten? Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't easy. Folded them legs and got small. Something they had to rip some kinda stuff like, out or something. Hey man, they kind of like the same way they they fit Larry Allen in the Maserati, and I saw him dive in there, and I was like, <laughs> how that big ass dude get up in that little bitty car? Yeah, uh, and yeah. it had the butterfly wings too. Yeah, and it was black. It's a, it's an image I never forget. So I'm talking to Eddie George, and uh, he said something about the media. I said, "Hey, Eddie," and it was just me and him. I said, "Hey, let me ask you something, dog." I said, "Did you beat your wife?" And he looked at me like, "What?" I said, "No, just just ask, just ask." I said, "I'm going somewhere. Work with me." He said, "No." I said, uh, "You do coke?" He's like, "Dog, what are you doing?" I said, "Just just work with me, man." He said, "No." Yeah. I said, you do roids? You built like it. Come on, man. Da, da, da. I said, so you don't do what other athletes do, huh? No, man. I, I said, oh, so you're an individual. You're not like everybody else. I said, well, I'm not like every other media person you meet. I'm me. You either fuck with me or you don't. And it's cool either way. And at that point, he said, oh, I get what you're saying. I said, yeah, dog. It's great media people. It's asshole media people. Is people who only want a controversial story, and it's people who really want to know your story. And what your job is as an athlete is to figure out who's on what side and who's on what team and who rocks with who and who gets down like the way that they do. And then you can have private conversations and help your narrative and your message get out to the guys that you trust to do that. And everybody else, you give them the standard line where you don't say anything. You just answer the questions as generically as possible. And it's up to you to figure that out. And uh, we had a great conversation, and that's one of the reasons why every time I see Eddie George now, which is probably, for whatever reason, about every two years we run into each other somewhere, a Super Bowl party or a football game or something, he gives me the bro man hug, we chop it up for five or ten minutes, and then, you know, on to the next encounter. But uh, more athletes need to spend time figuring out who and what the media is all about. Meaning there's a difference between a beat writer and a columnist and somebody who just shows up. And an athlete needs to know the difference between the two or the three. They're different between somebody who works for a radio station with a microphone and somebody who works for a TV station with a microphone and somebody who's a podcaster with a microphone. They all got different jobs. They all got different things they're trying to accomplish. Uh, and athletes need to know the difference. Um, there's no way in the world you should be a member of the Dallas Cowboys and you should not know 
I'm, I'm being real with y'all. There's no way you should play for the Dallas Cowboys and you should not know who Todd Archer is and who he works for, who Clarence e. Hill Jr. is and who he works for, who David Moore, Michael Gelkin, and Calvin Watkins are and who they work for, and who Nick Harris and Patrick Nosey and uh, all the people, and Nick Eatman, all the people at, at DallasNews.com, DallasCowboys.com, who they are and what their role is. Um, you just should know that so that when people talk to you, you know who they're talking about and what their agenda is so and what saying, they have. So, excuse me. So, you're saying as an individual when they walk up to you, because a lot of times these guys go off and you see a bank of, a bank of microphones. So uh, well, you, you're saying as an individual, I should know yeah. whether somebody trying to do me wrong or somebody going to do me right because they're professional. But a lot of times you see these guys going off on a bank of a whole bank well, of microphones. No, it's um, that's a group interview. And, yeah. you know, for instance, when you have a group interview, OK, that's usually after a game or whenever your designated day to talk is you keep those things in general as generic as possible. Uh, or you can, I mean, you can reveal as much as you want to, but that's a, that's a group interview. And so that's going to the masses. That's going any number of places. Right. Um, and so when they answer those questions, when they're asking Brandon, Brandon Cooks those questions about, uh, do you want the ball more? Uh, are you frustrated? He know, well, let's see, there's beat writers in here and there's everybody's in here. So let me, let me just make sure I get my message out as generically as possible. All right, cool. Right. Now, now I was talking to, uh, let me make sure I say this the right way. Last Thursday, because I told you I was talking to Brandon Cooks while Dak was doing his big weekly interview. Well, when his weekly interview came was over, he came back in the locker room, and Dak sat down <clears throat> at his locker, and it was me, Clarence Hill, Calvin, Mickey Spagnola, longtime DallasCowboys.com reporter, Archer, and one other person who I can't remember. Dak, look oh, it was, at that. It was Brasham. Yeah, okay, Brasham. Very well, very well done. You remembered that. Uh, well, Dak looks at that group, and he says, okay, I know all of these people. I can tell the truth in this group about what's going down because I know, one, they're not going to write it per se, and if they do disseminate it, it's to make sure people have a better understanding of what's going on. But I don't have to worry about anything I'm saying to this group of people being taken out of context or being turned into some headline. And when I come in the next day, like, what the hell? Well, if Dak is anything, he definitely media trained. Yeah, but it's, it's bigger than that. He understands the group of people that he's right, talking to. Right. And he understands yeah. what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is get a better understanding of why this, this, and this is going on. And through getting a better understanding, what do we do? We tell our audience Here's what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I could tell you. Now, that's, this didn't come from Dak. This came from somebody else who said, you know, one thing Tony Pollard trying to do is he trying to he, – he's, he's so anxious to make a big play, he's not letting the play develop. He need to let the whole – he need to press the hole a little bit longer, wait for it to develop, give his guys a chance to block, and then accelerate and go through it. But he's trying to hit a three-run homer, and that's why he's striking out right now. Right. Those are the kinds of private conversations you could have when you when you're with people that trust you because you like. And um, the way I started this conversation off with with one player was, hey, I'm not writing anything. This is really 
for me to understand. So when I pass out this information to the masses, I'm passing out accurate information. I said, now, you know, everybody don't do that. He goes, hell yeah, everybody don't do that. I said, that's why I'm asking you these questions. So I'm not going to put your name to it, but I need to know the answers. So when I'm talking about it, I'm talking with a degree of authority and a, de- and a degree of accuracy. And he said, oh, I got you, dog. What you need? And that's how it goes. Now, you can't have them conversations with everybody because you don't have that relationship with everybody. Right. But that's what the best media members do. So I have people I talk to like that. Archer has people he talks to. Clarence has people he talks to. Calvin has people he talks to. And that's why you have information that you can trust. Now, the problem is when you get on there, when you get people who have questions who don't talk to nobody. And I'm not saying you have to go out to the star to talk to somebody. People text all the time, man. If you got a relationship, you can pick up the phone and make a call and say, hey, dog, what's up with this? You know what I'm saying? So you don't have to go out to the star to get this kind of information. But you need to get this kind of information from somebody if you're going to talk about the Cowboys with any degree of authority. Because if you don't, what are you doing? You ain't really, you're just talking. It ain't coming from nowhere but your opinion. And you are entitled to your opinion. But different opinions carry different weight based on who you talk to. So sometimes when I tell you something, it's an opinion. Sometimes when I tell you something, it's a fact. Sometimes it's a fact-based opinion because uh, they're all different. And um, I try to spell it out and make sure that y'all know where I'm coming from because you can have opinions, and they can be very valid opinions. Um, but I like to know facts because I can disagree with – like somebody can tell me Mike McCarthy is doing this, this, and this, and I go – I mean, I know he's the head coach, and I understand his reasoning, but I just disagree with that, and that's perfectly fine. Um, And I haven't had those types of conversations with McCarthy, but I've had those types of conversations with the Cowboys coach in the past because I've had a different relationship with him. So anyway, this whole media thing, man, is is interesting. It's fascinating. Uh, I love it because I I like getting to know, I like getting answers to questions that I have about why the team is doing this, why the team is doing that. And uh, that's why it's fun for me to go out and say, hey, how come this is happening? And, and, you know, if I write a story about it or I have a podcast segment about whatever, that's how that's what I enjoy doing the most. Now, you got questions about the media? No, I just think sometimes it's all a bunch of bullshit because they'll tell you they'll do one thing. Who is they? Oh, they, the team, the coach, the player. That whole time, like CeeDee Lamb was saying, y'all reading into my body language, I'm not mad. Well, he's telling you that. You reporting us to that, but don't nobody believe that shit. He was mad as hell because he wasn't getting the ball. And so what you report is accurate, but what he's saying is bullshit. That's what I'm saying. So sometimes they do that. They tell you one thing, and you don't have a choice but to come back and say, that's what he said. Kind of like Dak talking about, yeah. I threw the ball. I'm trying to throw the ball. I saw the linebacker. I was trying to throw it by, by his ear. Eh, bullshit. It don't matter because you threw the pick anyway. So I don't want to hear your explanation because your explanation is, who am I going to believe? You with my lying eyes. So that's sometimes with the media. That's not the media. That's the player feeding the media. But y'all got to say that shit anyway. So it's yeah, just it, uh, it's all fascinating like that on this end. You know? Well, it's a... It's a it's it's all nuanced because yeah, yeah. I know for a fact Dak ain't, and you you can sit back and try to think about it. Dak ain't never gonna Dak, as far as I know, is never ever going to throw a teammate under the bus. 
And so if he got to lie or fudge or tell a half truth he'll, or take the blame himself. Ain't nothing he almost, wrong. Ain't nothing wrong no, with that. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. So he always does it. But as a reporter, you can only report what they say. Yeah. And then you go back, uh, depending on how much time you have and what day it is, you go back and find out is this the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yeah. Or is this varying yeah. degrees of the truth? Um, you know, and that's, uh, that's the game within the game. And that's what the best reporters do on a regular basis. Uh, but, uh, you know, the media got, uh, and, you know, like Stephen A. Smith, Shannon uh, Sharp, they, you know, Stephen A. Used, used to be what I would term a regular reporter and media member. Now he's much more of an entertainer. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But people like Michael Parsons don't understand that Stephen A. Smith is now much more of an entertainer than he is a journalist. He used to be a journalist. Mostly a journalist and some of an entertainer. Now he's really more of an entertainer and some of a journalist. Um, and so people on those debate shows, that's why they're called debate shows. Because they're not really about journalism, they're about debating. Because they want people to feel passionate one way or the other so that you tune in to watch the show. Love me or hate me, just tune in. So that's why they say, that's why they have the topics that they have, because they're trying to re- prompt emotion from the, from the viewing audience. And so if somebody like Michael Parsons understands this is what their goal is, then you don't get upset that they scrutinize Dak and say all this stuff about Dak because they're just trying to draw viewers. And who better to draw viewers than a quarterback of America's team? It ain't that complicated if you understand what it is that they're doing. Yep. Well, that's been today's uh, media feedback for y'all. How about that? <laughs> but uh, I love the media. I'm actually working I got a lot of projects. My dad told me that his dad told him a man should always have some projects. Uh, my projects tend to be journalistically based. Uh, y'all projects can be whatever they are, whether it's working on an old car or whatever, whatever your project is, whatever your passion is. Uh, but I'm working on a book about journalism, and uh, my goal is to uh, finish it and then sell it to colleges in high schools about here's how you do journalism. Because uh, journalism, uh, contrary to popular belief, is not really dying, it's just evolving and changing. And so the same principles apply. You just have to understand how to uh, use those principles and write stories or cover teams or cover businesses or whatever it is you want to do. And so I'm working on, that's one of my projects I'm working on, but it's... Uh, it's because I love it, and I love to see it done properly. That's why I teach a class at SMU, so I can train people how to do it properly. And uh, I can talk about it for as long as you can talk about anything that you're passionate about. Uh, so uh, I appreciate y'all's time today. It's been a really fun episode to me. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Uh, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. That's very important for us as we're in this uh newborn process of getting the podcast and the YouTube's channel up and up and running. We need all your support and uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, my book, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders and the Making of Men, still holding strong on uh, Amazon's new release uh, rankings. So I'm, I'm proud and uh, happy of the support and I appreciate it. Makes a great Christmas gift. Uh, if you want to know what's, what's up with Deion Sanders and why he is the coach he is and why he'll ultimately turn Colorado into a winner, you can get it at the uh, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, wherever you get your books online, you can find it there. The audio book is fantastic. Trust me on that. It's fantastic. 
uh, Corey Jackson did a phenomenal job. Uh, so uh, until we chat again, uh, remember, we're always sponsored and presented by Greening Law. Uh, you guys be blessed.